0: Welcome to another inspirational message from The Chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Who He was. And so I wonder if you would happily declare who you are in God, Um, what God has called you to be. I wonder if, Lani, you were able to say that God has called me to be a journalist And if that's how you feel, and I feel really confident about that. And I'm grateful. That's according to God's will. Whatever it might be, not your vocation, maybe it's your passions, your giftings. Be able to clearly state who you are. No false humility. I find that people are very hesitant in declaring who they think that God has called them to be and created them to be. Perhaps they don't want to be seen as boastful. Certainly, it would be hard to, um, you know, if Chrissy were to come to me and say, Bron, God has called me to be a prophet. I'd be stoked that we had a prophet in the house, another one, that is. And, um, but, you know, then it would be to determine uh, whether Chrissy was the right prophet for the environment. You see, we all um, have different environments. You have a different environment to your, in your house than I do in my house. And as it relates to the different environments that God calls us to, I might say, hey, Chrissy, that's awesome, you prophetic woman of God. Um, can you head to the prophetic sessions and just see that it lines up with the environment? And Chrissy might say, run. I've been prophesying since you were in nappies, which would be difficult because I'm older than Chrissy, but I might have been late to the milestones. Um, but regardless, Chrissy um, might say, I, I don't need to go to that. But that would be about humility and teachability for her, where she might go and sit in sessions and be willing to be taught by people that she considers to have less knowledge than her and trust that God will speak through them to her. Humility and teachability. And then then we might say, Chrissy, would you be willing to adhere to the protocols that are laid out in that? And that would be about accountability. And so if we can have teachability and humility and accountability, you're right for any environment. But it might be that your specific gift set or the way that you're used to operating in that might be right for a different environment. And if that's the case, I'd love to help you into a different environment. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> and what I mean is I'd, my job as a pastor is to see people flourish in the gifts that God has called them to. And so if this is not the right environment, I'm, I'm, my job is to help you find the right environment for that. And, um, you know, we, we, Daz and I, and, and leadership, we pray and seek and fast about what environment this needs to be. And so then we want to make sure that, the way that we go about things is the way that we believe that God has called us to and I want everyone to flourish in the gifts that they have sometimes people wait for me to get a word of knowledge about the giftings that they have I've got enough trouble finding a word of knowledge for my own life let alone for yours as well so I'd prefer it if you just came to me tell me what you think your gifts are and then we can have a conversation about how we move forward with that that'll save time So Paul, he says, I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. So he's writing specifically for those in Ephesus, but he's been writing for a long time now. And it's such that he knows that his letters will be circulated throughout the different churches. It says, and then this this next section that Chrissy read, 3 to 14, is one big log sentence in Greek. And so this is the introduction to the rest of the book. And it's this this benediction, this praise to God. It says this in verse three, "Or praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before He made the world, God loved us. Can we just pause there? Even before He made the world, God loved us. So, you know, there's a debate around about when, when a life starts. God loved you before He created the world. Your life started in the mind of God before it started in anyone else. Um, He loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do and it gave Him great pleasure. It says that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Now, eight years before, Paul's written to the Galatians uh, to let them know in chapter three, verse 14, that, that he's, gonna bless, um, he's gonna give the blessing of Abram to the Gentiles and give them the Holy Spirit. That's what he says in Galatians. And then we read in Genesis 1 to three, what that blessing is. Now the Lord said to Abram, go out from your country, your relatives and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Then I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I'll make your name great so that you will exemplify divine blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, but the one who treats you lightly, I must curse so that all the families of the earth... (laughs) <laughs> not that blessing I may receive blessing through you so he's blessing abram so that all the families of the earth may be blessed through them now i want to ask you a question if you were to look into your heart would you prefer like just like just you know just you you don't need to tell the person next to you would you prefer that rather than every spiritual blessing it said every material blessing I've got a shake of the head, a definite shake of the head. Um, That person's holy and someone over here, I'm not going to mention who it was, went, ha, like, oh, I've got to think about that. Um, (laughs) Or would you prefer it said every spiritual blessing and a whole lot of material blessings? Like I'm up for that one. (laughs) But it doesn't. It says every spiritual blessing. And if you were to think about it, you know that the road of material blessing doesn't end. And so we had a week this week, like ahead of payday that, that was like reminiscent of years ago pay weeks. Like it used to be every pay week, four days out from payday, we'd be looking at our bank balance and looking at what was to come and going, four days, Lord, four days, can you just get us through four days? And he always did every single time. Um, I haven't had that ever since the church put us on an award rate. We haven't had that again. I've been able to budget and pay bills, but you know what, like I never used to be able to pay bills and but but now that I can pay bills, obviously I paid bills. <laughs> uh, we did occasionally get the hot water cut off, but <laughs> who needs hot water? Am I right, Scotty? <laughs> um, if we pay bills, what am I, what? Sorry, focus, <laughs> thinking about cold showers. Um, right, pay bills, but now we live comfortably. Like, I'm so grateful to God we live comfortably. But now my mind is on what I'm what's out of reach now. Like, what's the next thing? And you know, sometimes I'm so caught up with what I want that I forget to be really, really content with what I have. Sometimes I'm so focused on the next that I forget to be really just focused and thankful for the now. And and, and that road of material blessing we know does not end and we see it in celebrity culture where people get everything they want and then find out that they don't have what they need. And God starts with, I'm gonna give you everything you need. And the thing that he talk about here, just incredible. And he says, this is what he wanted to do. It says that we get forgiveness. It says that we, we, we're we found with our fault in his eyes. Verse six, it says, So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us, who belong to His dear Son. He is so rich in kindness that He purchased. He purchased us. He bought us back. You know, humanity sold itself into slavery through sin, but God bought us back from that by the cost of His own dear Son by His blood. He purchased us. It's the release of the, affected by the payment of a ransom. He bought us back to Himself. He purchased us. And it says, He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. Verse eight, He has showered kindness on us along with wisdom and understanding. You can set someone free and hold them at a distance. If someone was, I needed to go pay bail for someone, I could pay bail and then just let them go find out their own legal counsel and sort themselves out. But it says, He not only bought us back, but then He drew us close by His kindness, by His grace, by His forgiveness verse 9 God has now revealed to us His mysterious will regarding Christ which is to fulfill His own good plan and this is the plan at the right time He'll bring everything together under the authority of Christ everything in heaven and on earth this is the plan at the right time it's all going to come together I don't know if you look around the world and you get like, this place is messed up. Anyone? Yes. At the right time, everything's going to come together. Everything. And it says in verse 11, Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we've received an inheritance from God, for He chose us in advance and He makes everything work out according to His plan. Now, if you want an unpacking of the choosing in advance, I encourage you to head to the chapel YouTube and look at the message, The Elect for the Sake of the Many. But we, what we can see from this passage and the whole biblical narrative is that God's action is a whole lot more than our action. God's going, God's missio day, the missional God, the God who goes, He goes and goes and He seeks and seeks and He finds and He finds. He always looks, in these passages, it's, if you were to circle all the His things, you get about 15 of the His actions that He did in this short passage. And then you get three we things, our response, the things that we do. They're, they're just incredible. He is the missional God. Verse 12, God's purpose was that we Jews, not us, Him. Paul was a Jew. He says, in Philippians, he says, hey, if being a Jew matters to you, like I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm a Hebrew of he- Hebrews. In other words, I'm a pure blood. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. He says, you know, as it relates to zeal for Jewishness, I persecuted the church because I thought it was watering down the Jewishness. As it relates to the law, I was blameless. I am a Jew of Jews. And he says, our purpose was that we might glorify God and that we were the first to trust in Christ. And then it would go to the Gentiles. Just like Jesus, Jesus started with the Jews and then He spread it out to the Gentiles. It says in verse 13, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom He promised long ago. Um, when You might remember through the book of Acts, we read about the Holy Spirit going to the Gentiles, to Cornelius. And Peter's defence is, hey, if the Holy Spirit could come to those guys, oh, I couldn't stand in the way of them receiving anything else from God. Verse 14, the Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised us and that He has purchased us to be His own people. It says there that He will give us the inheritance. But back in verse 11, it says... We have received an inheritance. So he says, we've received an inheritance and He will give us an inheritance. And this is the age that we live in. We live in the already not yet. In Corinthians, Paul says that we see like through a glass dimly. We're looking, but, but we only get it in part. But one day we're going to see with perfect clarity. One day everything is just going to be like like our eyes will be open even more. Our eyes were open when we went from death to life, but then they're going to be open like Technicolor and we'll see things in perfect clarity. The day is coming when he brings all things under his feet and we see perfectly. Anyone else pumped for that day? I'm like, "Yes! I cannot wait. I can't wait." And it says that that actually the Holy Spirit is the down payment The the, the NIV calls him the deposit, the guaranteeing deposit of the inheritance that is to come. So we already have a bit. If the Holy Spirit is a bit, what must the full inheritance be like? Ah, that's a weird noise, Bron. Okay. Um, let's just, if we're seeing through a glass dimly now and our eyes are so radically opened and continually to be more and more opened, imagine what the full picture is going to be like. Blowing my mind. And the final, ver- the final phrase says, He did this so that we would praise and glorify Him. So I just want to go back to verse 6. I'm going to read this from the NET. It says, To the praise of the glory of His grace that He has freely bestowed on us in His dearly loved Son. Why would He show such kindness to us sinners? To glorify His amazing grace. Verse 12 says that... um, it says, so that we who were the first to set our hope on Christ would be to the praise of His glory. Our salvation is for the praise of His glory. It says, who, the Holy Spirit who is a down payment, bless you, of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. There was a time when God said to Abram, I'm going to make your name great. But now He says that everything is to make His name great. Abram's name being made great was never to do with Abram, it was always to show the nations around him that God was great. And us being redeemed and restored and living in the life that God has promised us is not so that you live your best life now. Hey. Yeah, go you. It's so that we might glorify him. And this is this is game changing. Because if it's all about His love for us, and let me tell you, I'm so grateful for His love for us. It says there that before the creation of the world, He decided that He would love us. He would love you. Whatever your name is today, He decided before the foundation of the world, He would love you. But if we focus only on that, then it it seems somehow that there's a lot about us and it's dependent in some way on us, but it's not, it's to the praise of His glory. It's about Him. And I don't know about you, but if it's dependent on Him, I'm a whole lot more confident in that. If it's staked, if staked His re- re- um, reputation on our restoration and our redemption, I'm a whole lot more confident that it's going to get done because it's on Him. Uh, where He says things like that, what I've started, I will finish. What he, when He says things like, I'm going to present you to my Father blameless and faultless. I look at me and go, (laughs) good luck. But look at Him and I'm like, okay, God, go for it. I'm up for it. And it's all for His glory. It's for His glory. It's not for our glory. The spotlight goes on Him. We've seen in celebrity culture in all different ways and even in our own lives that when a spotlight shone on us, we can't stand up to that spotlight. We're not good enough. We don't have the wherewithal for fame. Fame belongs to God. And so we put all glory and all trust in God. So that's why we sing, you're the name above all names. You're the worthy of all praise. My heart will sing,
1: how great is our God. Well, today it's completely disconnected. And the reason is that I want to um, finish what I started last week. And so last week I started to talk to you about the the lessons I learned in my season of chaos. Um, We were going to put the coffee number back up there for anyone who missed it, sorry. Um, and then I found out it already had been there the lessons I learned in my season of chaos and and I want to speak about that in a way that really helps you um, it's not here just for me to speak about it so I can sort of get it out there and have a therapy session with you but but in a way that actually helps you how do you do that the lessons I learned in a season of chaos and, and as I got into the season of chaos that I went through um, for a while last year and a bit of this year I I knew I didn't want to be there. That's what I knew really quickly. I knew I didn't want to be there. I knew that I didn't want to waste it. I, I knew there was more going on here than could meet the eye. And I knew that I wanted to steward it fully. And, and those were the things really early on. I went, right, I'm here. I don't like it. I shouldn't be here. I don't want to be here. But I don't want to waste it. And I certainly want to steward it fully. And my experience is at least that, that in most seasons of life that we go through, there is something that God is up to. There's something, there's a work he's doing in you and there's a work he He wants to do, you know, oftentimes through you and um, the the way we walk through it impacts others. And and, and there's the work that I think that often gets missed is um, that what I would say is the big work that is beyond here the unseen that 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 is not obvious to me there's something going on especially in the difficult seasons that about are, are somehow linked to seasons yet to come and that's certainly my experience that there are decisions we make in the season we're in that create ceilings and platforms on the god appointed point of future and and that idea is threaded right throughout scripture and so want to never waste a season, want to make the most of the season, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so last time I talked about the lessons I learned and I talked about, one of the things I talked about is the struggle is real. And I just want to mention that because today could sound like the struggle isn't real. And it was the biggest struggle I've ever lived through. The struggle's very real and very, I, I don't even have proper words for it. But the struggle is real, and we talked about that last time, how in the middle of chaos, the importance of ruling our spirit and submitting to God, making God our go-to, that God's got this. For me, I had to come to the place where I realised that I had an unspoken theology that needed correction and that bottom line, come what may, I'm in with God. And so that's kind of where we've been. And today, as I wrap this up, I want to talk about stewarding the season fully because it matters more than you know it really matters way more than we mostly know and it's more defining. And and that for me, even in the midst of chaos is is an exhilarating thought that there's something going on here that God has in his mind that's connected to the God appointed future if only I'll live it well in the way he's called me to and I find that incredibly, incredibly exhilarating that, that God never wastes a moment he never wastes a thing he's always using something he's always up to something and, and ultimately he's got it and I think for you and I as we go through the scenes of life it's worth remembering so how do you do that? How do you season, the fully steward the season that you're in, especially the difficult ones? Number one for me was, remember humility. Remember humility has a grace. There's something about humility, isn't there? Aussies get it, we love humility. That's why our favourite tennis player is Pat Rafter and not Nick Kyrgios. <laughs> we love humility, we get it. In, as Aussies, we instinctively get that humility is good. And, 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 and in, in my season of chaos, it definitely created an opportunity for me to choose humility. But I was also aware that it created a place that forced, you know, or allowed God to work humility if I'd let it. God was definitely looking to do that in me. And I already thought I was incredibly humble, incredibly humble. And you know, that's just, maybe that's why I was there. And for 270 plus days, most of those days, I had to choose for one reason or another, humility. And all, all I can say is that every time I got it right, when I look back now, when I got that right, I look back now and go, I'm so glad I did. And there are a few moments I regret over that nine month period, and almost every one is linked to me choosing the opposite to humility. Humility. Humility is a powerful thing and, and God wants to work it in our life. And so we all get to choose it. We all get to refuse it. James chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, it says, God gives more grace, or but he gives us more grace. This is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Yes, he's real. And yes, he pursues you. Uh, that's the first thing to say. But it says here, God opposes the proud. Opposition is not passive, is it? Uh, uh, The opposition of the New South Wales Blues against Queensland this week was a little bit passive, but as a general rule, opposition is not passive. And the Bible says that God opposes, God opposes the proud. He resists it. He frustrates their plans. If you're a Christian, he regulates your rise. And why does that matter? It matters because pride's just dangerous. It's dangerous to ourselves. It's dangerous for the people around us. Um, Pride makes us a risk. It it makes us a loose cannon. It comes up with bad decisions under pressure. People get hurt by it. All those kinds of things. But then it goes on and says, but God favours the humble. I love that. God favours the humble. Don't you love favour? Have you ever been anybody's favourite? God favours the humble. And then it says, submit yourselves then to God. And and I think right this, in submitted to God, we find the foundation of humility. What's God say on the subject? What's God say to do here? What's God calling me to now? And it's not always easy, but it is always best. In my season of chaos, there are times when my nature is to push. It's to fight back. It's, it's my human nature. I'm not saying it's a good nature. Um, and I'm, but, but submitted to God meant silence. Submitted to God meant yes to every decision made about me and for me. Submission to God meant I'm not going to have an opinion when you do. It, it looks different for you than it does for me. It looks different every season. But, but submit yourselves then to God and there's something powerful in that place. God loves the beauty of humility. God trusts the humble, God elevates the humble, the Bible says, and God favours the humble, it says here. So in the season that you're in, may you choose to live humbly and allow God to take humility even even deeper in you. And maybe you go, well, Darren, I'm not in a season where I need to choose humility. And, and, and maybe you're not, I agree. I'm not always either. But, but what, what I would say is there's always something in the season you're in that's related to the character God wants to work in you. And so what is that for you? That's number one. Number two, Choose your influence. I remember thinking in the season of chaos, as I've now called it, um, that when it suddenly broke, I, I needed to determine what my influence would be because there's never a season when we're allowed to act badly, no matter what happens to us. There's no excuse for acting badly in the season that we're in. God calls, if you're a Christian, He calls us to christ-like behavior in the best of seasons and the worst of seasons and and that's a great privilege because we get to impact people by the best of seasons and I think even more so maybe in the worst of seasons and and chaos needs you know I need I needed to apply grace to myself but it, it can never be a free pass to act badly and I think that's important even though the struggles were real and so here's the question I ask myself and if you're in a season that's challenging for you, or even if you're in a season of prospering, because who knows, we can screw it up as much in our prospering as we can in our suffering. In fact, I would say I've made more mistakes in prospering. I've made more mistakes in when everything's at my back and I just listen a little less, I'm moving a little quicker. What influence would God want me to have in this season? That's the question I ask myself at least. What's the influence? I'm here, I'm stuck, I don't like it, don't want to be here, I don't want to waste it, I want to steward it fully. God, what's the influence that you would want me to have in this season? And, and that's true for you as well. They're good, they're, they're, you can chill. They, um, what's the influence God wants me to have in this season? And, and, and for me, I won't bore you with the detail, I had four things and for you I wonder what it is in this season. What's the influence God wants you to have in the season that you're in? Number three is just never stop serving. Now... If you're struggling with an illness or something, I I get that. But it's a general rule, and here's why I never stop serving. And, um, you know, there are people in this room who just have never done that, have never stopped, in right across their adult life, they just, whatever the season they're in, they just keep serving God practically in it. And and, and the best example I can give you is Joseph in the Bible, right? He's a a great example of this. He went from favoured to bad to worse, um, you know, to prison and before he rose the way God wanted him to. But even in his hardest season and in his darkest hour, Joseph found a practical way to serve God and people, to faithfully serve in the darkest hour in a prison cell. And, and, and you know, in, in my own season, the way I could serve was limited. And so, so I just determined that if I'm asked or if there's opportunity or need, I'm going to serve there. And if I'm honest with you, some of that was humbling because I wasn't used to doing it. it wasn't. And I, you just want to make sure that we're always ready to serve. And what I found is that as you serve, you it keeps your heart right before God. Nothing's beneath me, and it keeps my heart outward and my eyes on people. Because and I don't make this all about me. And so, my encouragement in the season of trouble is: don't let it shut your life down and cause it to hit pause but just keep it moving forward at the pace that you can manage and go, you know what? I'm just never going to stop serving. And Joseph never stopped serving. I love the idea. Think about the apostle Paul. Imagine when he got to prison, he went, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to stop serving. Paul's most powerful impact on all of humanity came in an isolated cell that he couldn't see in. I think they might've given him a candle occasionally and it's changed the world and here we are. And Bron just read from one of those letters, that's the power of the season that you're in. There's something going on there. So whatever the season, let's just keep serving. Let's just keep moving forward because the season isn't on, it's not, your life isn't on hold. My life wasn't on hold. My life was just going through something different. And and, and that's true for you as well. Your life's not on hold. God's got your life. God's moving it through a season that's that's painful to bring you out of it better, to bring people, bring you out of it having impacted someone and hopefully a ceiling and gone and platforms built. That's number three. Number four, as I, in these last couple of minutes, um, steward the season fully. Here's a question um, to ask Can this ceiling be a platform? And this ceiling. And, and I looked around at the season I was in. When you go into a Jesus... Oh, sorry, let me say this. Jesus condensed it down this way. The one who's faithful in little will be faithful in much, right? And the one who's faithful in much will be faithful in more. And, 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 and that idea is turning ceilings or potential ceilings into platforms, limiting ceilings into platforms God builds on. And, and consciously, as I went through nine months, I was aware that in this season I get to create ceilings that are ultimately going to be limiting or I get to established platforms that God can build something on and i want to live that well not waste the moment and steward it fully. Joseph again was the same right he, he it says this about him in Potiphar's house he's been sold into slavery many of you know the story and now he's managing the household and he actually says this of himself but the bible says it of him with me in charge he told her the master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns he is entrusted to my care no one is greater in his house than I am he stewards everything fully in the season he's in the guy's a slave that's been screwed over by his brothers and even there he stewards it well and, and it's right here in Potiphar's house he takes off the ceiling of his God appointed future and turns it into a platform that he can serve and lead in Potiphar's in Pharaoh's courts that ultimately he can rise to be the deliverer of God's people in years to come. The season that you're in has more going on than we know. And so stewarding it fully, because what's true for Joseph, I think it's true for us. That, that in every season, there are unknowns about us. There were things unknown about me before I went through the season that I've been through. That I can confirm a ceiling that God can't take me beyond or we can establish a platform that God can build on and bless. Not for me, but for his purpose. And so that's true of you too in the season that you're in. Right now, wherever you are, you know, if your business is prospering, that's a season where you can create a ceiling, a limiting ceiling, or a platform that God can build on. Have you been offended? Have you been been mistreated? That can become, there's an unknown there on who you will be, and and that can become a ceiling that's limiting on your life, or it can be a platform God can build on, right? It's, It's in all these things, it's that they can become, and I just want to encourage you this morning, become the one who can be trusted with anyone, anything, anywhere. Here's the risk. That statement that I just said, that statement I just said is a prayer that I've prayed for a while. God, I want to be like Joseph. I want to be the person you can trust anyone to, anything to, anywhere to, whether that's small or whether that's large. And on the back of that prayer, I ended up in a season of chaos and I remembered the prayer and I went, here I am. God, in my season of chaos, may you cause me to be the one you can trust with anything and anyone and anywhere. And now standing beyond it, I realise the risks attached to it, but may you and I continue to be the kind of people that would raise our hands. You know, if you haven't gone there yet, may you go there today. And if you're young, may you determine that this is the way you'll live. And if you've gone there, but you've drifted from there, may you return this morning, raise your hand in the air and say to God, God, I want to be the one. I want to be the one you can trust with anybody and anything and anywhere in Jesus' name, amen. So may you steward well the season you're in. And especially if you find yourself in the season of chaos, in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au